confession time, guys. Can you know what your sins are? I think we all have I think degrees all of know, all yeah. sins. Yeah. And we all know which ones we're... Is it? You know what it is? I'll tell you this, and I'm going to be transparent with you. Every sin is always present inside you. It's always lurking. So yeah. there's a part of me that that gets envious of you succeeding at any domain, any uh, mutually shared domain that we have, right? Yeah. And we have a lot of them and excelling me in that. But that part of me is compartmentalized. And how do I combat that? By I combat that specifically because I can't turn that thought off. Yeah. That thought is not me. It's the nafs. And I know I have that thought because the thought will be there. And even if I didn't, it would be more dangerous if I didn't have that thought. Because then it implies that, because I always have that thought, it implies that I, it's subconscious that I'm unaware of it. Can anyone be unaware of it? This, this was the kind of theological question I had. Th th this is what I'm going to say. Yeah. If, if I am unaware of it, that means I have accepted that thought and merged it with myself. Yeah. You can only be aware of it once you have separated. It's like Piccolo and Kami. Once he's separated from his evil sense, he still has to contend with him. Like in this case, it's a physical separation. Yeah. But let's say we're within. So I have to contend. And how do I contend with that thought that my brother is going to succeed in domains that uh, shared domains? I contend with it by doing behaviors and actions which assist your success more. That's the way you combat it. And this is the this is from a prophetic tradition that if you have jealousy or envy for your brother, make supplication for his success. And that's that's a very that's like the most uh, lowest level in the sense you're well it's highest too in a sense that you're spiritually rewarding him but if you couple that with assisting him and that's where that mentality comes in so if because that envy and that gluttony and lust it's always present to deny that you're not lustful is well that's no one will no one will deny yeah. that but you know some guys deny that too right yeah that's the like That's, some some people will say, I don't need to lower my gaze. You know what well, you think I'm, you know, like the typical uh, yeah, Pakistani bro. I'm telling bro. you, like, it's very easy to get lustful. I mean, it's not hard. Yeah. No, I'm but, saying the people who deny that they're lustful. Yeah, like no. they say, she's like a sister to me. I would never think of it that yeah. way. That's, they've merged. Yeah, so that's when I'm, that's when I'm confused. Is it like, is there a point? Are there some people for whom the sin is completely out of their control in the sense that they are completely not conscious of it and so they wouldn't be held accountable for it? Or is it anyone who commits any action that is reflective of these sins is doing it intentionally? And like, I guess we don't know that. I right? think the question that will they be held accountable or not, that that's too, that's, that's like a, Yeah, we don't, yeah. yeah. That's a future, it's a divine question. It's yeah, like, no. It's asking you, no, like, I mean, do like, you know what God's going to do? No, no, because no. I'm not saying like, that will will God hold them accountable because that's up to him. Oh, you mean level. as a as a class? Like yeah, is, is that it, in that category? Is it, is it in the category of accountable actions? I think if they're conscious of it, and I do think that they all are. I so think then, that they, okay, they choose so. to forget. Because otherwise you have this deterministic nihilism almost. Yeah. It's like, oh, I couldn't have done anything. It's like, oh, you're condemning me to hell because I hadn't this is the this is the cop out. Yeah, exactly. So Anyone who is who is falling into any one of these sins knows they're falling into it. That's yeah. the crux of and it. And that's the only way we could ever assist. If we're trying to assist someone, yeah. a friend or someone, the only way we can do that is if we assume they have autonomy. Yeah, because if you can't know that you're falling into the sin, then how could you ever prevent it? So exactly. it must be that way that you know what sins you are. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of answers the original question of like, you deep down do know yeah. what the sin is that yeah. affects you. Yeah. Initially, I thought we'd have a, a discussion where we go through the Hamza Yusuf lectures, but I think it, that'll just turn into uh, just uh, dismissals of certain people and their ideas, and I don't think we want to do that. Let's just 
to for, organically. For, for, for each one, we'll just give like pause a couple minutes so that I can reread them. Yeah. So that we can have. Yeah. So because I have a ton of thoughts about these. Yeah. In various different. The thing uh, is, these these are the kind of things that you you live with it. So of course you will. No, and you, this is this has been a fascination of mine for so long. I mean, just well, this is life. Yeah. Like just a few months ago, I I did those design posters of all the sins. It's not a coincidence that I chose to do them. I'm I'm in, intrigued by them, and it's a it's a visual metaphor in that sense. But as I'm designing that, I'm in my mind, I'm uh, doing a conceptual analysis of the sin and trying to convert it to a visual metaphor. Yeah. It's not just oh, I like the shape. No, there's a little bit of yeah, of course, thought put into it. and yeah. and that that only happens is because I'm interested in that. And the same thing with the with that uh, poem. <laughs> Remember that poem about the beta, the quintessential beta, which had a, a line with every sin in it. Did you write poetry when you were in love, bro? I might have wrote one or two. But I, it, but I, it don't, wasn't... I, don't, I don't think men can be in love with women to the point of writing poetry. No, no, the, the poetry was a, a hobby. It wasn't about... No, no, it I was know. By no, virtue. That was a, a point that the guy mentioned, that both of them mentioned that like everyone who's ever been in love will write poetry. But I didn't really do poetry. I did was yeah. like when I would email my wife, I would, uh, you know how like I drop comments in Betamax, like those kind of things. I think anyone who's been in lust will write poetry. I agree. It's all, yeah. love cannot be, the the kind of love that would drive a man to write poetry can only been can only be done for divine. What do you think of that S statement? Say it again. So the only kind, the only time a man can love something so strongly that he would write poetry about it can be for God. Only God can be loved so strongly that he would genuinely write poetry that's not based in one of the sins. I agree with that, but I want you to tell me why you think that's the case. That's hard. But I just to me, it's intuitive. Okay. I, I, and I, it's hard to say because... Should I tell you why? Should I tell you what you already know but can't verbalize? Now, let, let, or what let you... Me, yeah, yeah let, me, let me think on it a little bit. Like, Yeah, because then do you really know it if you can't verbalize yeah. it? Well, you do. The thing is... It's a lot of things. Yeah. It's almost there. Yeah. It's like this. It's like, I know it, but I had a, I had a better idea of it earlier when I was, because the thing is poetry, like, I don't know what, what drives a man to write poetry is like this, this, uh, so like about women specifically, right? It would be like, you're admiring, you're, you're so, you're so like enthralled and infatuated by the woman and, and she, and she's almost like perfect in your eyes. Right. And, but that only happens when you're in a state of lust with women. But the only one, like the only one who's always perfect is God, right? Because otherwise there's always the negative aspects and the humanity, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think you're, I don't know if, if this is the direction you're going in. Yeah. What I would say is this. So if you think of the exercise of poetry, it's not... <laughs> you're, going, <laughs> you're going in. Okay, okay. No, poetry, Yeah. it's not about writing. It's about reflection and thought. Yeah. And anyone who's interested in writing poetry is using that poetry as a medium to express his thoughts in a certain meter or form. That form and meter is largely irrelevant. It can be poetry. It can be art. It can be music. But the fact that he's doing that, he's using that medium as a form of his reflection and his thoughts implies that he is thinking. So that's one assumption. Now, if we assume that he is a good thinker, which translates to a good poet, that it implies that his thoughts are coherent and sound and deep and well thought out 
And if you, even at a superficial cursory level, think about your love for women, you will instantly realize the product designer conflation that you love women because of their appearance and what they are. And therefore, the next trivial, self-evident, one-on-one level step. This isn't yeah. some. This is not some profound insight. Yeah, is that you would love the person who bestowed that woman with those looks and gave you the ability and vision to view those looks and then be simultaneously pleased by them visually, orally, sexually, and all those things. And that blessing would cause you to shift all of your poetic creativity towards praise of that creator. That's a logical consequence. Yeah. And that's the only reason why anyone who has a brain and who thinks and writes poetry, and that's why you were right. That's the, why the kind of person who would write poetry about a woman would be in lust. Because they, they're blinded by the reality of why she's beautiful. And even more so, it's like, if, if you're saying like, oh, you only love her for, for her human, not for the lust, but then it's like, who told you to not love women exclusively for lust purposes? Yeah. Because the base instincts of man is to just lust after them and, you know? Yeah. So, and you know, you know, another dimension. The, the wait, wait, so let me go back to that. So, like, the fact that you love the woman is another reason to praise God. Exactly. Because God created that love for the woman in you. Because otherwise, you could just have lusted after her. Yeah. No, exactly. And uh, I wanted to add another layer. And it's that the motivation of writing the poem is different for these two people. So, this person is writing the poem. The person who's Which, worshiping God through the act of poetry is writing the poem with a sense of gratitude. What this person is doing, he's using the poem as a medium to further his sexual gratification. So it's almost like a form of foreplay for him. So he gets high off of the act of writing the poetry, which makes him, it's its a form of teasing and edging. Yeah, almost. at some level, the writing of poetry is, is autoerotic. Is more sexually gratifying than the act of, of yeah. intercourse. He's using that as a way to to turn himself on before the activity. Yeah. So this person will write poetry pre-sex. This person will write poetry post-sex. Post -sex. Yeah. So there's a time dimension, a space dimension, um, and you will not hear this analysis anywhere, guys. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's kind of. And this is what I was expecting from, or I'm not saying that I have the best analysis ever, yeah. but I'm saying this is a bit novel. There's something here. Yeah. No, uh, for me, I mean, also I, I, I disagree. I with thought you. they would go in this direction, but they went the other direction. Yeah. It's like. No, and this is why I sometimes I think instead of watching these videos, I could just sit for an hour and think about these things because yeah. that's, and well, I end up doing that yeah, sometimes. But, no, but like for me, would I just sit and think about lust? I mean, I do. <laughs> well, I definitely do. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a good prompt. It's it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, for, but also me, speaking yeah. with you facilitates that. Yeah, and so listening to someone say something incorrect also facilitates like yeah. I needed to sit there and just think about what they were saying. So so there was the disappointment in the lack of novel insights, but also a disappointment in that some of the things I outright disagreed with, especially from Amir Suleiman. Yeah. His positions, like, to put it bluntly, they were a bit on the the second letter of the alphabet side. Yeah, feminine. Yeah. I mean, look, the thing is, you have all these people who are critiquing the modern world being submerged in these vices. So do you think you're exempt from that? You are if you can prove that you diverge significantly enough from the everyday person. Because if you're if you're making that claim that all these inverted vices do not affect me, 
then back up that claim by showing a lifestyle that differs significantly in large enough metrics. If you can't back that up, then even if it's not a lifestyle reflection, it has to be, if you're to discuss- At least your ideas. Yeah, if you're discussing the seven sins and you are not polarizing to people, then you're not actually discussing them. Because exactly. most people who it, are- uh, who are submerged submerged in those sins will disagree with you yeah and that's what and to segue a little bit we're gonna go here and there like but just a few thoughts and i was disappointed with the pornography aspects because i don't think you saw that when it was wrath or greed but there was this thing where he was saying that oh if you if you play the violence thing if you play a lot of uh, grand theft auto you become violent and just very yeah. You know, pop sci low quality analysis. I actually had a point about the video games. Most video games don't go, don't target your wrath or anything. Not at all. It's actually greed that video games are targeting. Well, I'd, I'd say they target sloth. There's multiple. Well, there's yeah. multiple. Yeah. Because most games nowadays, there's greed, pride, and lust. Lust. Yeah. Lust is obviously that's obvious. Most games are filled with sex appeal and sex yeah. objects. But the greed one is like the collectathon idea. Like ah, the whole, here we go. the hustle the whole, culture, virtual hustle, culture. virtual hustle culture, basically yeah. even working out to some level is linked to greed, yeah. not necessarily pride. I mean, pride is there too, but for a lot of people, it's greed too, in the sense of amassing strength in the sense of, Hey, I've got this massive work log, yeah. workout log, you know, like the whole, like this obsession with this, yeah. it's finite games essentially. Yeah. yeah. What was the other one? Pride. I mean, pride is obviously with online games. That's what their whole, yeah. with the whole badges, you know, you're, you're this rank, you're, you're better than all these people in this. So it's almost like video games are this, well, they are, they're this digital world, which allows you, it gives you a free pass to exercise all these sins with impunity, especially multiplayer video. And I think at some level, that's why online video games appealed to me as a teenager, because they, it's like you satisfy all your sins in one instance it's yeah. it's kind without of without like, consequence exactly yeah so it's, uh, it's pretty deadly yeah. video games are but this there's another layer to this this assumes you play them with that intention because i never played them that way yeah well you also and that's why online video games didn't appeal to yeah. you because you i only like the narrative games yeah. yeah yeah but when we generally discuss games i guess we're talking about that online addiction game. yeah well yeah. the majority of games are online now and i think the fact that he doesn't make that distinction is a disservice to the entire medium of video games because to blanket dismiss it i think that's a function of his age but also a function of his ignorance yeah because if you're willing to uh, value poetry and movie and film. And I think a lot of uh, South Asian uh, scholars, what they do is they're at the level, forget video games, they're at the level of dismissing film and TV. So everyone is mentioning what they know, but they're not actually looking into the subject. So I wouldn't dismiss a media format that I'm ignorant of blanket wholesale without engaging in it. Like let's say TikTok, for example. Exactly, I didn't dismiss it. Yeah. I mean, we're using it. <laughs> But TikTok isn't even a large... That's social media. That's yeah, a subset yeah. of social it. Social media, yeah. I guess you would... What's the next medium? I guess social media is the latest medium. I guess Web3, that's the that's the next medium. I mean, I guess social media has been around for a while, the communication aspect. Yeah. But yeah, mo movies, film, movies. NFTs, bro. Yeah. NFTs, yeah. So yeah, it you was... Should, you should turn those... <laughs> you should turn the pride uh, image that you have into an NFT and get someone to buy it. You know, that's like... Yeah. That only that's works. Meta. I know that's meta. That only works if you have an audience. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Guys, we're releasing some NFTs. Yeah. All seven of you. 
Now, I hate the idea of digital ownership. You know, it even bothered me when you purchase video games. And there is, I want a tangible product. So tangibility, that's why like piracy is not a big deal because it's not a tangible product. And then if Those I, who oppose piracy are greedy. Well, they would also support <laughs> NFT sales. Yeah. Definitely. And it's also, if your product has enough value to transcend piracy, then it's worth purchasing. Yeah. If you cannot organically defeat piracy, then your product is shit. In fact, there's some products that are so shit that they're not even pirated. So use piracy as the best analytical reference for your product quality, because that's what it is. If there are not people willing to steal your stuff, then you're, you just need to reevaluate. Then you've been, you've been submerged in vices. And the hustle culture, the greed, the sloth, the envy has affected your creative capacity to produce anything worth producing. Right? The only thing you produce is, yeah. That's what most people produce. <laughs> well, everyone produces that. But they only produce that. It's a sad life if that's the only thing you produce. Uh, yeah. Let's touch on the idea that like... Let's go back to the lust. Yeah, exactly. And let's, let's rewind in our minds to what that video was about. So right at the beginning, when he started bashing the idea of lust, because I said earlier that sex subsumes love. So I don't like this divorcing of lust from love. And I'll tell you why. Because lust, as it's colloquially understood in the modern world, is just your sexual instinct. So to separate that from love in the modern world, you create this almost emasculated male. It's like, oh, I love my wife, not because in the sexual dirty way, I just love her. And then they were going in this direction of looks, the beauty of an old woman. Yeah. It's like, no, it's no, like, you're missing the point, guys. Beauty doesn't, yeah. Yeah, they're not talking about that kind of love. Of course that love exists too, but we're talking about sexual love. There is a positive instance of sexual love. Why are these guys so ashamed about it? It's like they want to deny any positive instance of sexual love. It's either lust or it's loving your mother and like some old lady love. Where's the positive sexual love for young hot virgins? Why is that not present? <laughs> is it bad to love? Is it not conceivable to love in a sexual and non-sexual way simultaneously a young good-looking woman? Is that not conceivable? It's not. This is, And then what's even more inconceivable for them is that someone who has lust and love for a young attractive woman would still lust and love her when she's slightly older and slightly less attractive and you know yeah. exactly as if that won't deteriorate naturally <laughs> yeah right and that doesn't no, and mean it, and it does balance i mean they have their own internalized versions of this and because they can't relate to our position that's the only outcome for them and you know you know the another point that he mentioned later on was that because so he had the pop side reference on video games and then he had the pop side reference on pornography so he said that consuming pornography if you keep consuming pornography for a long time, eventually you end up a pedophile. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? So literally Dorothy Sayers opposes that argument. So if he's read that, he's referencing her. I was was kind this of, in the lust one? No, this was in one of the other ones. I think it was the after pride, greed or wrath. I think pornography is like weed for men. Yeah. It doesn't create perverted evil men. It just creates lazy people. Exactly. It's that when life is meaningless and devoid of all things, people go to bed. Exactly, yeah. And they go to bed with their phone. So if he's referencing that and reading that, then how can he come to the conclusion that men will 
watch pornography and then become a pedophile. It's rich, successful people that become... It's greedy people that become pedophiles. No, <laughs> I mean, pedophilia uh, comes from emasculation. Hmm. Because in order to dominate a woman that's fully grown, you need to have a certain level of masculinity. If you fail at that, then you go down and down and down until you can dominate. Hmm. Because you're terrified of the older woman. It's like the Johnny Depp mentality. He's yeah. terrified of Amber Heard. Amber Heard scares him. Do, you, do we know why? Because he's not able to retaliate. Yeah. So who can he control? And that's the same thing that you said, the fathers will beat their daughters because their wives are wearing the trousers. Exactly. So they take it out on their kids because that aggression can be done without uh, repercussion. It's the police mentality. Why does the cop beat up the helpless citizen? Because he has the gun there. And most cops are emasculated too. I have a friend who works with, uh, with cops and he tells me how they all struggle in the bedroom. Like their wives, it's because they, they're insecure. So it's that cop mentality. And that, it's, anyways, there's so many layers to this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really... It's disappointing. That's, that's a, what it is. That they, they assume that anytime you find attraction in younger women, it's pedophilia, Right. Pedophilia yeah. is for children, not for 18-year-olds. Yeah. It's pre-puberty. <laughs> yeah. Once you're past puberty, you're not a girl anymore. You're a woman. You can biologically conceive. Therefore, you can conceive. Therefore, yeah. I mean, it should be conceivable. I mean, in Texas or whatever, the ma- you can get women, yeah. girls can get married. No, I'm way. saying, therefore, it should be conceivable that you as a man are attracted to a woman with whom you can conceive. That makes sense. Anyways, just a little bit of wordplay there. Yeah. Yeah, but this is this is the problem. This and is that actually causes more issues because there's this faux assumption. Oh, if a 16-year-old girl is walking around in short shorts, I can't be attracted to her because she's just a child. You know, and there, you know, you'll see this weird yeah. like and men, what like dads with their little girls walking around. Like that's so weird to me. Like to have a sixteen-year-old daughter who's basically in her underwear sitting, and with the fact the is, father? the fact that they're de- they've denied that it's possible allows them to engage in it because they said there's no way I'm attracted to her. Yes, you are, yeah. and that's why you should avoid it. In fact, I would argue that that dad who allows his daughter to walk around half naked at home is that's lust. That is that, lust, precisely that's, lust. That's his manifestation of lust in yeah. his life. And this right here is the inversion of lust. With the vice and virtue. You know, in fact, cuckoldry comes from lust. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Well, cuckoldry is all a function of lust. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't really think of it like that. But yeah. Yeah. Lust sense. isn't the way they, what they do is that they take lust, the sin, and they replace it with the virtuous act of sex drive, which is the vice, and they flipped it, and then they define it that way, and then they shame it. Mm. And then they fall prey to literally the critique that they have. And they did that in the lust episode, and then the the pride episode does the same thing, and the greed episode does the same. No, the greed episode was fairly decent. The greed episode was yeah, it's I like the part the, where they talk touch on because the other guy things. was not retarded. Yeah, I only watched the first half of that one. I watched all of that, and there were some points that I might have disagreed with. The wrath one was, yeah, the greed one. The second half with the rabbi, it was just a very uh, hippie kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, that's where I paused. Yeah, I was like, he's like just talking about. Even Hamza was openly refuting him on some points. Yeah. Interesting. No, I liked their definition of, I, I don't know if it was even theirs. It's just like the whole idea of interest as like 
getting money out of nothing this and whole not obsession producing. this whole obsession with passive income yeah like everyone's obsessed with getting passive income yeah. but how does passive income get generated when you get money from by active doing production well or like no. ideally yeah no i'm saying passive passive income only comes from doing nothing right oh. because it's passive oh you're talking about one set of passive income. yeah okay i'm well, talking about let's say you actively produce something of value and then it's on the market to be sold and then you can get passive income right. from the sale. But then you're still actively producing it. Yeah. At some level. I mean, unless you just sell the patent for it, but then it's not passive income. It's like you just sold it for such a high price that you're now getting paid dividends. It's more like you delayed the profits while you were working. So you yeah. were, like you wrote a book for a year or two and then you sell it and then you're Yeah, you that's get, not yeah. to me that's not passive income. Ah, okay. To me passive income is you buy 10 houses and you sell them all while paying off 10 different mortgages. Yeah. With, you so know. you're talking about passive income, the subset of passive income which excludes any creative output prior to the yeah. generation passive of it. income that purely uses money to generate more money. Yeah. That to me is like Yeah. And that's what most people want to do. So I w I would say that any non-productive income yeah. Meaning you don't produce anything of value and then you just get money somehow. And j anytime you're not producing anything of value and just getting money, there's interest in there somewhere. Yeah. And either interest or you're inflating the, yeah. the currency. It's inflation or... Yeah. yeah. You're decreasing the overall value by extracting, by inflating the money. Because yeah. it's like, there has to be a balance. And that's that's where I think, I liked his uh, whole idea of the... Uh, I think uh, Hamza Yusuf mentioned this too. I think this topic was good because the other person was bringing better ideas. I don't know if many times Hamza Yusuf might be balancing the discussion to not offend the other side. I, I can't tell what's going on here because he's very political. Yeah. You know that. I mean, he's also a lot older now. And like, what about what about the, let's go back to that video games make you violent. Because I think the, the reason why they say that is because they see that watching certain acts being committed on a screen can desensitize you to that to that activity right so like what about people that are on those gore subreddits watching people getting their heads chopped off did do you think that has no effect on uh their ability to i would argue against that because yeah. even uh abu zayd al-balhi in his book he talks about that young men should be shown the horrors of war from an early age to develop a tolerance so that they don't get depressed and shocked when they see that yeah so they don't become entitled mommy's boys so, but I think there's also the other aspect of this certain, is virtual. Yeah, yeah, certain people do it for voyeurism. It's almost. not that they're actually. It's not that it's going to generate uh, some kind of. Yeah, it's voyeurism that yeah. just gives them an, a pleasure. What we mentioned earlier, like video games, it's a virtual world in which all the sins can be performed without consequence. So yeah. similarly, whenever there's a microcosm like a subreddit with that, some of the sins can be performed virtually without consequence that's the sin of that but it won't necessarily lead to the actual act because the person who's drawn to that in the first place is the one who fears the consequence of enacting it in reality yeah the person who is drawn to the reality of it that's another layer that's the person we talked about this a few episodes ago that the the thought of that should should send shivers down your your spine the thought of that the dehumanization of the oppressor yeah and it's the people who never envisioned themselves so the person who's playing the video game he's already envisioned himself in that scenario so many times so he's actually thought about this would i ever do this no the person who would do that would be the person who's been a good kid all his life and then one day he gets set off yeah and that kid doesn't need the video games it's not usually a kid yeah, exactly it's not usually a nerdy video game kid who does that it's usually <laughs> justin trudeau types yeah right the holocaust was not caused by a nerdy video game nerd 
It was caused by a guy who everyone liked. Who was successful, yeah. right? Genocide and mass killing and shooting. Requires you to be very successful in life. Very charismatic, very political. The basement dweller video games are not the ones who become aggressive. They become inwardly aggressive in the sense that they will off themselves. They can also become Reddit moderators. Yeah, passive. Yeah. Inconsequential. Inconsequential, yeah. yeah. And this is, I think, that a key point that he missed in his analysis Oh, the the consequential versus inconsequential nature of a, of of committing that type of sin. Yeah, and by consequential we mean like having consequence on other people around you and yeah, and, your and also potentially yourself. Because no, because you could say that the you know playing video games all day is consequential on your mind, body, and soul. Okay, yeah, you mean in the I meant consequential in a legal manner. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So if you're a politician, but I meant in in the true legal manner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying as a politician, if you do something wrong, there's consequence. So you're playing a real game, meaning yeah, you yeah. want real. It's the difference between the guy who goes to Westworld versus the guy who who is Westworld, who creates it, yeah, or who you know who in his real world he's he uses guns oh, and stuff like that. That too, yeah. yeah. And that's why I remember the main character from Westworld, and this is a perfect analogy when they show him in the past, he's a beta, yeah, which proves our point. Of that video game he wasn't an aggressive guy he was a very soft mild-mannered guy and the funny thing is he doesn't kill anyone he can't he doesn't have the capacity to kill anyone that's why he gets you know spoilers but he gets shot by robots even because he can't even kill fake robots he, th he starts thinking they're real and when once he determines they're real he he hesitates so the moment the consequence becomes too real he he reverts back to his original persona because it's like oh it's not a game anymore Right? Imagine if you're playing Grand Theft Auto and you shoot someone and the cops come at your door. What's that kid going to do? You think he's going to shoot the cop? Oh, he's, he's violent, right? He's going to fight the cops. No, he's going to shit and piss his pants simultaneously. Yeah. So it's such a... Come on, man. Guys, think a little bit. Zaytuna, your funding must be drying up. Well, they're maybe, getting too much yeah. funding. That's the problem. Yeah, maybe I'm being too harsh, but you know, it's... I think it's you gotta be harsh. Gotta be a little bit harsh, you know, because these guys have massive platforms, massive views, massive audiences. And if they're giving these shallow, superficial takes, come on, man. Well, no large platform is gonna give anything but shallow. They're, they're being betamaxed, right? Or are we being betamaxed by them? Well, we're not in the same sphere. Those who would go to Zaytuna College wouldn't enjoy betamax. <laughs> that is true. They've already drunk the Kool-Aid. And then there's another dimension that I can tack on it's the whole you know presentation cinematography like a soft ad of zaytuna college right yeah. there's like all the camera shots i mean these are all calculated maneuvers so it's you're selling this it's like a, you're transported to a victorian era and you know you can smell the rustic wood from there it's like come to zaytuna and you will miraculously uh, you will be imparted with all the knowledge and sufic goodness you know it's like this yeah well i mean I mean, I'm not bashing it, but yeah, I'm saying it's like just... At the end just... of the day, it's good. It, it is good to have good presentation, but then it's like your presentation should match what you actually are. Exactly. Right? The content... So it's like if we just bought a bunch of guitars to put in the background of the podcast, that's lame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a presence reality mismatch, yeah. in my opinion. Especially the episode with like Imran Khan. I'm like, bro. The flag. And they're both doing the same thing because Imran Khan, from his perspective, he has the green background and his black... Uh, Kurta Shalwar and the flag. So he's playing to his audience. And then, you know, uh, and that Hamza Yusuf. probably would have been right around the election time, right? That I video. think so, yeah. yeah. And Hamza Yusuf has his background, which he's playing to the hipster, pseudo Sufi brown guy. And I'm not bashing this wholesale. There's still value on both sides, but I'm just saying, like, 
people don't be blind to this, right? Open your eyes, look around, wake up, smell the damn coffee.